Well, friends, we're to guide our thoughts. We're going to take uh, uh, the chapter that we read, Proverbs chapter 1, and uh, uh, the verse that we have there in verse 20. Wisdom crieth without, and she uttereth her voice in the streets. Wisdom crieth without, and she uttereth her voice uh, in the streets. I'm going to give the, the uh, sermon tonight a title as well. Wisdom's Urgent Appeal. Wisdom's Urgent Appeal. We read in Proverbs, another chapter of Proverbs, chapter 8, verse 11, Wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Wisdom is better than rubies. But where is it? Various writers throughout the scriptures ask the same question. Job asks the question, where is wisdom to be found? Solomon asks the question numerous times in the book of Proverbs and in Ecclesiastes as well. Where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? Solomon was a man who had everything that he ever craved for, everything that his eyes ever saw, it was given unto him. And everything that his heart craved for, it was given to him eh, as well. And he went looking, searching for this eh, wisdom that we find eh, spoken here. He investigated everything under the sun. He scrutinized everything, eh, if we can say, minutely. He searched everywhere and he searched everything that his hands could get his hand on. You know what? He didn't have an answer to that question that he posed here until God uh, answered it uh, for him. This is how God answered that uh, uh, question for him. After he himself had searched high and low, near and far, he searched here, he searched there, but he didn't find the answer until he heard uh, the Lord speaking to him. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil uh, is understanding. How are we to value the wisdom of God? How are we to value it? The wisdom of God uh, 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 speaks like this, that, that, it's, that it relates to right and wrong. Spiritual wisdom, anyway. Uh, spiritual truth and spiritual uh, uh, falsehood. It's interesting, Matthew Henry, he says, it is better uh, to get wisdom than gold. He says, gold is another's. Wisdom is our own. Gold is for the body and time. Wisdom is for the soul, he says, and eternity. There is no higher wisdom than to fear God. And there is no wisdom until God eh, is feared. Throughout the Bible, the, 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 the fear of God through wisdom is always associated with, with uh, eh, the fear of God. That as if it were like um, 
inseparable twins. They, they go together. Wisdom and the fear of God. It's, it's uh, interesting what one secular dictionary says uh, about wisdom. One secular dictionary. You know, there's a verse somewhere in scripture that says that the children of this world are sometimes wiser in their own generation than the children of light. It's interesting what a secular dictionary says about wisdom. Wisdom is common sense. How apt, how appropriate. The fear of God is the beginning of common sense. The, the, the beginning of common sense. Now, the world doesn't see it like that. That's not how the world uh, interprets it. When we were speaking about the fear of God with somebody on one occasion uh, in Inverness, I was trying to explain what it meant. His response was, if you fear God, the fear of God leaves you nothing to live for. You know, the, the world's discernment of, of the, fear of, the fear of God is, is, is wrong. You see, for the Christian, the fear of God it leaves him with everything to live, live for, and it leaves him with everything to die for eh, as well. But the world's eh, interpretation is often like a boat on the high seas. It's a first ten gale, and people eh, eh, pict are pictured as fearing, fearing the, the winds and the howling gale. That's not how it is at all. That's not how it is. One Puritan theologian explains the fear of God like this rightly as well. It is, he says, that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends humbly and carefully to his father's law. His wrath is so bitter and his love so sweet that hence springs up an earnest desire to please him. And because of the danger of coming short from his own weakness and temptation, a holy watchfulness and fear that he might not sin against a God. Now, I want to consider with you a few thoughts about wisdom and what God is saying to us here under three uh, headings, as we find it in the verse, beginning from uh, uh, verse 20 here. Wisdoms, let me give you three, uh, um, three headings. Firstly, wisdom's greatest call. Wisdom's greatest call. Notice there with the verse we have in verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gate. In the city she uttereth her words. Now what do we find uh, uh, here? We find here Wisdom as if it were being portrayed as a, a wise woman a, a speaking and making a noise. Notice with me, she's, she's speaking clearly and she's speaking audibly and she's speaking plainly, loudly to all who will hear her. She's as if it were wailing. That's the picture we have here. She's wailing earnestly, crying. 
so that all and sundry will uh, hear her. And there's weeping with her. Wisdom is weeping. Wisdom is crying. And is persuaded that I must cry loudly because it seems my time for crying is going to run out. My time for failing is going to run out. Time is short. Our friend Spurgeon says, no is the watchword of the wise. No, he says, is the watchword of the wise. And no, as well, is the watchword of the scriptures, isn't it? No, is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. You know, friends, I said it this morning. Let me maybe repeat it again today. It's not next year. It's not next month. It's not next week. And it's not even tomorrow. It's no. No, if you hear my voice, harden not your hearts. You know, the devil would have everyone believe that they've got plenty of time to do something about their soul's salvation. You know, it's the biggest lie that has ever been hatched in hell. Convincing people that have got plenty of time to do something about their soul's salvation. I often say it in, in sermons wherever I go, that, the, that the, the, the devil's calendar is always tomorrow. Always tomorrow. He'll persuade you that you've got plenty of time to do something about your soul salvation. Those in hell tonight would, 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 would tell you that. That to make the most of the time that God has allotted to us uh, in this world. And isn't it interesting, wisdom doesn't hide herself here. This wise woman doesn't hide herself. She's speaking in the public domain. She's, she's speaking publicly and she's speaking privately as well. She's as if it were making, if we can say, a commotion. She's making a racket so that all ears will hear what she say, calling out and exclaiming with a loud voice a message to everyone who will listen uh, to her. But there's also something here that's very, very striking. The voice of wisdom here is very, very gracious. It's kind-hearted, if we can say, kind-hearted and generous. How do, we, how do we gather that? Because nobody's excluded. Nobody's disqualified or left out or put to the sidelines. All and sundry are included. Nobody's regarded as too unworthy or too sinful. Unto you, she says elsewhere, the same voice, unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the children of men. You know, there was a message laid on, uh, I think it was uh, Micah, the prophet Micah's heart, when he said, O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Three times. The prophet Micah was as if it were saying, how long do I have to keep on telling this message? How long do I have to keep on repeating this same message? 
No, this wasn't the ground or the soil of this world that Micah was speaking about here. Not at all. He was speaking about the children who are living on this earth. Oh, earth, earth, earth. He says here, the word of the Lord. You see, friends, there's a reward in hearing what the, what, um, the Lord has to say to us. There's a reward in hearing. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make, listen to this, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. The same generosity is expressed by the gospel writers. Notice the, 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 the equivalent wisdom verse, as if it were, go ye out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. No exceptions, nobody's disqualified. Every creature means all and sundry. No exceptions, proclaim the good news of the gospel to all and everybody that we meet, that you rub shoulders with. She crieth in the chief place of, verse 22, she crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gate, in the city, she uttereth her words, in the crowded streets and public places. What is wisdom? What is the voice of wisdom telling us here? Proclaim the good news of the gospel everywhere. Yes, in the pubs and in the clubs, on the streets, in the darker lanes of the city, in the outer hedges. Go ye out into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Go into the highways and byways, into the outer hedges and into the darker lanes. What will compel them? Who? The lame, the lame, the halt, and the blind. Sinners, creatures, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You know, friends, that's how the gospel is to be preached, clearly and loudly and plainly so that everybody can hear it. If you recall when the Apostle Paul went to, to Corinth on his first mission trip to, Paul, uh, to Corinth, this was the greatest missionary that this world has ever seen, an eminent theologian. And he preached the gospel with simplicity and great plainness of speech. You know, nobody in Corinth had to scratch their head, wondering what on earth was the Apostle Paul saying. I hope every time I stand here that nobody leaves scratching their heads, wondering what did the whole mission worker say tonight? I didn't understand him. He was a bit confusing. Listen with me here, friends, what we read. This is his own testimony. This is the, the great Apostle Paul's testimony. Listen to what he says. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of God and of power. He says, I came to you with great plainness of speech. It can't get any simpler than that. I came to you, he says, with great plainness of speech. Old friend, Bishop Ryle, he pointedly says, I believe that we should preach so that if any hearer has never heard the gospel before, that he would clearly understand it. And if he never hears the gospel again, that he will never 
forget it. What was wisdom saying? What was the voice of wisdom saying? Notice in verse 23, turn you at my reproof, as I call you. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. I have called. Wisdom exhorts us to repent and believe the gospel. It exhorts us to flee from the city of destruction, as we heard this morning. It exhorts us to seek this gift of faith. I marvel, it's coming at the end of July, mid-July. The Christmas banners already are appearing in the highlands. Bye, bye, bye. People will be going beset between here and the end of the year. And they'll be spending a fortune on the markets of time with one item on their minds. Gifts of one kind or another. There's nothing wrong with gifts. But all these gifts, sooner or later, will lose their value on the markets of time, if we can say. You know, friends, there's only one gift that will never lose its value. And it's without money and without price. And it's the gift of faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye. Turn ye. You know, many are the calls that people respond to in this world. I think maybe I've made a record of them here before. The call of the sea. Many people follow the call of the sea. There's a mag magnetic lure with people who are, who are fishermen and, you know, who, who live their lives and who make a living out of the sea. I remember my brother many years ago coming home on a Thursday, having been sick out in a boat from Monday to Thursday. On Friday, he would go to his own little boat. He would be on the sea on Friday and on Saturday, until Monday came again, and off he went on the big boat. The call of the sea. It's the same with the call of, of the wild. People are fascinated with wild animals, and you'll find them uh, going traveling across the world to, to the various safaris. The call of the mountain. The call of the mountain. How many people I meet? And they want to climb all the Monroes in Scotland. Nothing wrong with climbing the Monroes in Scotland. Whether it's the mountains of Torridon or the Clisham or the Cairngorms, they want to climb these mountains. There's a lure to climb them. There's so many other calls. But you know, friends, I've lost track of the number of climbers already this year who have lost their lives uh, uh, responding to the call of the mountains. You see, people die following all these calls in one way or another. Their callings bring death, sadly, to some people. You know, my dear friend, tonight, that there is only one calling on earth 
that does not bring death and it's the call of the gospel. It doesn't bring death, it brings life. It brings life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, it's the greatest call on earth, the call of the gospel. It's the greatest call, and scripture calls us to respond to it. You know, let me be personal here tonight and ask you, have you responded to this call of the gospel? I'm not asking you if you're coming to church. I'm not asking you if you're religious, if you've been baptized, or if you sit at the, at the, at the Lord's table taking the sacraments. It's not... Yeah, well, I know what you're saying, and I'm working on it, and salvation is on my agenda. That's not the question. Are you saved? Are you at peace with God? Are you able tonight, by God's grace, to put your hand on your heart and say, It is well. It is well with my soul. You know, friends, I don't know what your answer is. But if you're not at peace with God, it's because you're being deceived by the greatest of all liars, the, the devil. He would have you believe everything and anything except the call of coming to Christ for salvation. You know, the last four words in Acts 12, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 tells us what we must be. Acts 4, verse 12, the last four verses, and it tells us what we must be if we're to be at peace with God and if we're to reach heaven safely at the end of the day. What is it? We must be saved. There is salvation in another. There is no other name given under heaven amongst men by which we must be saved. Saved. Wisdom's greatest call. Secondly, wisdom's greatest a, a critic. I don't need to, friends, tell you this. I think you know it yourselves. People in our day respond to every call imaginable, whether it's the iPhone, smartphone, handphone, whatever phone it is, whatever gadget it is, all the gadgets on the markets of time. Myriads of the people respond to these calls. That's no exaggeration. But when it comes to the call of the gospel, it's given a deaf ear. It's as if it were not very urgent. It's not very important. Not very important. The call of wisdom about your soul's salvation. All you hear is often a word of criticism or a word of condemnation from this one or from that one. You see, the evidence is there's nothing in Scripture that the Bible doesn't tell us about. Look, look here how we find uh, this being reinforced by the voice of wisdom here when it speaks about wisdom's greatest critics. Notice simple ones, scorners and fools. Simple ones, scorners, and fools. Let's consider maybe for a few moments who wisdom's greatest critics are. Notice 
simple ones who love simplicity. Simple ones who love simplicity. Who are they? The simple ones who love simplicity. Oh, I go to church at Easter. I go to church at Christmas. I go to church on special occasions. We love to gather together for a cup of tea and discuss the events of this week. We like a little bit of religion. We like a little bit of religion. We don't want anything too heavy. We don't want anything that will make us uncomfortable or make us restless. Just we want to go with the flow. Those who are taken up with religionity and churchianity, and we want to mingle with such people. Matthew Henry, he reinforces what I've said. Notice what Matthew Henry says. Simplicity here means a, a sin, and that as sinners, they are drawn towards it. They are fond of their own simple notions of good and evil. Their simple prejudices against the things of God. And in their element, they spoke themselves in religion and with the church and in their own deceivings and flattered themselves in their own wickedness as though they needed not the grace of God, he says, in their hearts. These are very solemn uh, words, my friends. The next critics we have here are scorners who delight in their scorning. Scorners who delight in their scorning. Who, who are these people? Who are these uh, uh, individuals? People who jest and jeer and scoff and scorn at Christianity and who says it's all nonsense. They don't believe the truths of God's word. They believe any other books that you'll give them, but not the word of, of uh, uh, God. Christianity is not in their agenda. Listen to the response that somebody once gave to me when I spoke to him about the gospel. The reason I've given you so much time today is just because I wanted a laugh. I regard people like you strange and very abnormal. In my heart, I laugh at all you say and all that you have to say in your work. You see, he didn't take the gospel seriously. He was jesting and he was scoffing and he was scorning. And I remember him, he posed the question, why do Christians, why do you Christians take the Bible as your guidebook? Uh, in everything in life and to defend uh, all that you say. The next critics, fools who hate knowledge. Notice, fools who hate knowledge. They, really, they don't want to know the truth. Humanist, the skeptic, the agnostic, the atheist, they would have believe everything and anything in this world, but not the truth of God's word. What does the scripture say? The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and they have done abominable uh, iniquity. I'm quoting here Richard, uh, uh, Professor Richard uh, uh, Dawkins. 
Listen to what he says in, in one of his books. He says, good times start with atheism. Life is joyful and it becomes even more joyful when you know it's finite because you've got to make the most of it while you're here in this world. You don't have to regard existence as this veil of tears, a preparation for a better life to come where you have to live in misery in this life because you're going to reap your reward in heaven. He says, not a bit. He says, this is it. So you better make the most of it. There is nothing else. And there is no God. Wisdom calls him a fool. I don't know if I told you before about the atheist who was on his deathbed. And he was an ardent atheist and he asked that certain words be uh, written above his bed. And these words were, God is nowhere. His little granddaughter came into the, came into the room and he asked her to recite the words over his bed. She was wiser than he was. She read the words differently. God is now here. You know, friends, God is now here. God is here this evening, and when you and I close, go our own separate ways tonight. God will be going before us as the breaker up of our ways. When these lights are up and the doors are locked, he'll be with us whatever providence leads us this week. Jonah found out that to his cost. You can run, but you can't hide. What does wisdom say to all these uh, people? Notice the answer that the voice of wisdom gives in verse uh, 22. How long? You know how long-suffering God is? How long? How long do you expect to live like that? How long do you want to go on living without that, this wisdom in your life, without the call of the gospel, ignoring it, being deaf? to every word and syllable that's brought to you. How long? How long are you going to live on in this world, in the state that you're in, as an unbeliever? That's what these verses are actually saying. Because I have called and you refused and have stretched my hand and no man regarded, but... Ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. You see, they laughed at all the offers eh, of the gospel. I'm conscious that my time is passing on. Wisdom's greatest call, wisdom's greatest critic. A few words on the last uh, uh, heading here. Wisdom's greatest condemnation. Wisdom's greatest condemnation. Wisdom's greatest condemnation is to be found in the words that we find in Isaiah chapter 5, 55. Listen to what the prophet says. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, in one sense, that's a gracious gospel invitation. But notice, seek it out while he may be found. There's a while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And as we read through this passage, 
we see that that time has come in these people's experience that their seeking is too late, that their calling is too late. They're too late to do anything about their soul salvation uh, and calling upon the Lord for this gracious gift of grace and mercy. It's too late to turn they refused. Notice in verse 24, I have called, but ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said that not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. You know, my friends, the gospel's greatest condemnation, wisdom's greatest condemnation, is found in these words. And the wicked, shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Notice with me, friends, the outcome of rejecting wisdom's generous offer of salvation. Verse 26, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Fear cometh as desolation, as your destruction cometh as a whirlwind when distress and anguish cometh eh, upon you. It's as if it were the Lord saying, it's all over. Your time has ended, your chances are gone, and you are now to incur the consequences of living the life. The atheist, the agnostic, the skeptic, the unbeliever, in the way that they lived. The Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. You know, it's a fearful picture. On that great day, you find the likes of Richard Dawkins, the atheist, the skeptic, the agnostic, the unbeliever, pleading with God for mercy, asking the Lord at this late 11th hour to do at least something for them. But it's too late. They shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They ignored my counsel. They despised all my reproof. I heard many things on the streets this week. But one of the saddest incidents was with a young man who said, I've tried that. He says, I was a Christian at one time. I professed faith. He says, but I've thrown it to the four winds. He says, but it meant nothing to me. He didn't realize where his happiness, where true happiness, where real wisdom is to be found. Listen to these wonderful words pen together in poem forum. Oh, happy is the man who hears instructions, warning voice, and whose celestial wisdom makes his early 
only choice. For she has treasures greater far than East or Western told. And her rewards more precious are than all the stores of gold. In her right hand, she holds to view a length of happy days. Riches with splendid honors joined are what her left displays. She guides the young with innocence in pleasure's path to tread. A crown of glory she bestows upon the hoary head. According as her labors rise, so her rewards increase. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. All her paths are peace. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. We pray that the Lord would bless to us these thoughts and that he would make us above everything else wise unto salvation so that we might seek that very wisdom which he has promised to give us when we seek him and when we call upon him and knock at the door of mercy. Let us pray. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt apply these truths that uh, we have considered together, one with another, from thy word uh, tonight. Forgive us for anything that we have said amiss. Apply our own hearts unto uh, wisdom. Bless all our friends here, from the youngest to the oldest. We pray, Lord, thy blessing upon students who are at home from university and uh, college at uh, this uh, time. And we also thank thee for the safety of all who... They attended uh, this uh, festival over the last uh, few weeks for thine hand to be upon them and for looking after, and after them and watching over them. And we pray that they will take them back to their several homes near and far in safety. And we pray, Lord, thy blessing upon those in the congregation who need thee in a very particular way. We are mindful that maybe one or two are in the Jordan Valley. And we pray that they might be conscious of the Lord's presence there with them in the midst of uh, whatever they may be going through. And we pray, Lord, that they will uh, spare even uh, the young in our day so that they might yet uh, see uh, a better day in tomorrow's church and that they will uh, bring them to see the loveliness of a lovely Savior in their early childhood years. Part us now with thy blessing as we sing our final praise in conclusion. May the glory be thine and the blessing ours. For Jesus' sake, amen. <laughs>